The views expressed in the following program do not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB. Live from the WGBB studios in Merrick, New York, this is Sports Talk New York. Good evening and hello again, everybody. Welcome to Sports Talk New York on WGBB here in Merrick, Long Island, New York. I am Bill Donahue, and I will take you through this first hour on the Sunday night, the first day of May. We're getting there, 2022. Our engineer, Brian Graves, right across the way with us as always. I'm happy to welcome you aboard. Uh, glad you could be with us. We've got a great show up for you ahead. First up, we'll welcome in uh, a guy who had a great career as a, a baseball man, a baseball lifer, as I like to call gentlemen such as him. He's the former third base coach of the New York Mets. The great Cookie Rojas will be in. And in the second half, we will switch gears, as is our want sometimes, and we'll welcome in Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, the legendary Felix Cavalieri. So hang out with us for a while. Sit back, relax, get comfortable, enjoy Sports Talk New York tonight on GBB. As always, some great people, some great memories up ahead. Uh, I'd like to talk to you about something very serious right now, social media. As always, before we begin, uh, we're out on Facebook. WGBB Sports New York is the name of the Facebook page. Stop by, check it out. Uh, we're on LinkedIn, that great value-added business tool out on the web, and Twitter at WGBB Sports Talk. You can follow me on Twitter at WGBB, And if you miss a show, don't worry, because they're all archived out on the website. Well, I'm very happy to introduce our first guest. He's one of a handful of players who played every position in his career, including pitcher. And of that group of ball players, he is the only one to make both the American and National League All-Star teams. Pretty wild feat there. He worked in the major leagues as a player, a coach, manager, broadcaster, and he's been around the game for five decades. A five-time All-Star, he was inducted into the Kansas City Royals Hall of Fame in 1987. I'd like to welcome to the show tonight, Cookie Rojas. Cookie, good evening. Good evening, Bill. It's a pleasure to talk to you and uh, take an opportunity then to say hello to all of the Mets fans in the area in New York where you uh, dealing in front with in the radio. So it's a great pleasure and, and an honor to be talking to you about every subject that you can come up with. Wonderful cookie. Yeah. Now the last I checked, they were, they were winning two to one, uh, out at City Field tonight. They're on Sunday night baseball. So I'm trying to keep tabs on, on them, but we, we, we've got a good team this year and I think we're going to do a little better. Well, I agree with you. I think that uh, they have improved themselves. Mm -hmm. And one of the key things that I would say is something to keep an eye on, Bill, is injuries. Remember, we had no spring training this year. So all of a sudden, you're back again into the action and coming close to the season to start. And sometimes you got to be very careful with those uh, pitchers, Mm -hmm. you know, so you don't stand them too much earlier because they're really not ready yet to start the season. So they got to go step, step 
That's right, Cookie. I mean, case in point, folks, Jacob deGrom. I mean, you look at the guy. He'll tear a muscle. <laughs> he seems to be so fragile. When he's in there, he's a world beater. But getting him on the field is the problem. No question about that. You know, and they know it that they can go ahead and take a little extra time with right. the ball club, and you don't want to push him to maybe get an injury that will grow a little longer. So it'll be out of the lineup for a long time to to be. Exactly. Now, you grew up in Havana, Cuba, Cookie. Who, who were your sports heroes and teams when you were a youngster? Well, we're going to go back quite a few years, Bill, <laughs> you know, when it comes to the selection of the players. But I always liked uh, one of the best in the game, which is Bill Masarovsky. Ah, okay. Was, to me, a fantastic second baseman. I used to go down to their clubhouse. Uh, he would sit outside of it, and I'd go by, you know, and say, hey, Bill, you mind if I ask a couple of questions? I said, of course. You know, come on over, sit down. Nice. And then you started talking baseball, which was what we wanted to do, and we had a great time doing so. Oh, that's a great story, Cookie. Yeah, more more guys should be like that today. I'll tell you now. Your your dad, Cookie, was a doctor, and he wanted you to follow in his footsteps. And all all the while, you're being told you're too small. You wear glasses. Uh, you're having a little trouble at the plate. And f- for the kids listening, how did you defy these odds a- and make it to Major League Baseball? Well, Bill, I would say this. The more they say that I couldn't make it to the, you know, in professional baseball, the more in my mind said, yes, you can do it. But mm-hmm. how do you get to do that is by working 100% and giving some extra time, some time to to a coach to, to please hit me more ground balls at second base and, and started asking questions. And the more you ask the questions, you're getting an answer. But I'll tell you one thing that I have found that is very important in that matter, Bill, is that you have to tell them to, you have to listen. And, and that way you can keep what is being said. Right. But if you're talking about something else, when you're, you're a man like yourself is giving a speech and he's, mind is wandering all over the place actually he hasn't heard anything that has been said so it's more difficult for that type of player to, to teach him and i would say that it has to be done in the minor leagues is the way to mm-hmm. really start getting close to the players to tell them please listen when somebody's talking and try to put all of the things that they you can put in your own way of doing things right very good point cookie exactly now uh, there was the revolution in Cuba in 59. The Reds uh, had a team down there. They moved to Jersey City, and uh, they basically wanted to av- avoid the possibility of Castro nationalizing the team. You, you came to Jersey City. You uh, were on the Jersey City Jerseys was the name of that team. And that is right. That is yeah, right. Is that- interesting, interesting choice there. And uh, they had Johnny Temple, Cincinnati, and then Don Blasengame at second base. And uh, they didn't bring you the majors till 1962, right? That is correct. Yeah, yeah. I, I was brought up in '62. Uh, I was signed by Roberto Maduro, Bobby Maduro, mm-hmm. uh, the Cuban Sugar Kings down in Havana. We had finally a Triple A club in the International League. And we worked out in 59, really to the point that we won 
in the uh, AAA league with Jersey City and eliminated the, uh, I think it was the Columbus uh, Ball Club to go to the World Series of uh, Little World Series. And uh, we did that. And a matter of fact, it's funny because the man that was managing the ball club in Minnesota was Gene Mock. Mm-hmm. So when I was playing with uh, the Cuban Churikin, he was already watching me play. Ah. And that winning in 62, he made a deal with uh, uh, Philadelphia to get me to go with him in Philly. And I was there with seven years. So uh, Gene was one of the people most important into my life of baseball because he taught a lot of baseball. And one thing curious, Bill, he managed in the big league for 23 years. He never won. And you wonder, it says, how come we could have stayed for, you know, so long for a ball club without winning a pennant? Mm-hmm. Well, the thing is that he taught us how to game, how to play the game. He taught you every little single thing that you can think of, the way he passed that along to the players. And we liked him very much, even though he didn't, you know, get an opportunity to win. Right. Uh, I remember uh, Gene Mock. Cookie, uh, I remember him, uh, where was he? He was the skipper, some, maybe, maybe down in Philadelphia. I'm drawing a blank now, but, uh, you go to the yeah, Phillies, right? Yeah. He was, he was, uh, when I first came on the scene, so to speak, <laughs> as a kid, I remember Gene in Philadelphia. Now, they already had Tony Taylor, uh, a, a good ball player. But uh, still, Gene brought you brought you aboard, which is uh, speaks speaks a lot for for how he felt about you. Now, do you remember your first regular season game, Cookie? Yeah, sure did. You know, we were playing against the uh, Dodgers. Right. As a matter of fact, the first year that the the stadium was opening up, you know, for the fans mm-hmm. at brand new place, we had over fifty thousand people in the stands, and they had Johnny Padres in the. Uh, on the mound, and uh, they gave me an opportunity to start that game. You know, I remember very clearly, you know, uh, how things happen. You know, the first man on get gets on for for a double, and then I push a bunt over to second base, not to move him to third base, and that was my history right there with Cincinnati Reds. Nice sack, sack bunt, though. Yeah, it worked out okay. The the Reds, uh, I think they won that ball game. And I think yes, you, you faced the, the great Colfax the next uh, the next game. And uh, did you did you get a chance to hit off Sandy Colfax, Cookie? Yeah, sure did. We yeah. were playing the old stadium in uh, in Cincinnati, and uh, I get an opportunity there to to start in the lineup. And who was in the mound for the Dodger was uh, Mr. Colfax, Sandy Colfax. Yeah. And I, that's where yeah. I got my first major league hit was a. Base it to center field off of the best left-handed I've seen in my my life in baseball, Mr. The lefty, like I, I called him. Yeah, left. not too bad, not too bad, Cookie. The great Cookie Rojas is with us tonight on Sports Talk New York. How about your first home run? Well, I think that I didn't get good weather when that happened, Bill. Okay. You know, my home run, so you got to have that you know wind right behind you to really – Get that ball over the ballpark. I never was a home run hitter. I hit about 58, I think, of them in my career in the big league. Yeah. But uh, to hit one out in the polo grounds, that's pretty good because uh, that was a very oddly shaped ball field. Sure was. Yeah. And I remember one thing there very 
I hit my first major league home run there, and uh, it was just unbelievable. On the second deck, you say, oh, my God, it must have been a heck of a home run. No, it wasn't because it wasn't really that long and, and left field. It was very short. Right, yeah. The, the folks should Google that. Google Polo Grounds, folks, and just look at the dimensions of that ballpark. I think center field, there were only two or three guys that hit it out there. I think Lou Brock, Joe Adcock on the Milwaukee Braves, and I think maybe Willie Mays. But, uh, Lou the, Brock. Lou yeah, Brock Lou, Lou Brock hit one. The second deck. Yeah. Field, that was a long way. Now, he wasn't known as a power hitter either, Cookie. No, he wasn't. He was more of a line drive hitter. He right. Hit the, the hits all over the place. Good bunner. Can steal a base for you. Had a great range in the outfield. And he was a hell of a ball player. No question about that, Bill. Yeah, he is missed. Lou Brock, what a great man. And one funny point I, I found out, Cookie, when I was doing my research for the program tonight. You, you teamed up with, with Bobby Wine. And they used to call it the plays of Wine and Rojas. I thought <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. That's true. I was in Philadelphia. You know how the fans are there. Yeah. Oh boy. One thing about the Phillies fans—they're one of the best, without a question—that you have to give them a hundred percent of effort on the field. Mm-hmm. If you don't do that, they'll be all over your shoulders yeah. the rest of the way. As long as you don't go ahead and change. And give them the, what they want. All they want is give me a hundred percent. That's all they want. Right. Now you were also uh, you played a, a little part, Cookie, in the uh, in free agency actually, because uh, when you went, to, I think it was the Cardinals. You went to the Cardinals, and they sent Kurt Flood, Tim McCarver, and Byron Brown, uh, and I think Joe Horner over to the Phillies in exchange for you. And uh I think Jerry Johnson, the pitcher. And, oh, Dick Allen. Dick Allen, too, right? Yes. Yes, sir. You know yeah. what happened was that season, Bill, they traded Dick Allen, who just passed away about maybe a few months back. Great ball player, no question about it, with tremendous power. Right. And they we went together to St. Louis in, in the trade. And then, no question about it, when you're talking about that, they have one of the best second basemen in, in Julian Javier. Julian Javier, yeah. Great second baseman and with a lot of speed. So I was just then traded to the Kansas City Royals. But to me, that move of the Dick Allen and myself going to San Luis, I think originated the fact that, you know, it's going to be a change in baseball. You know, free mm-hmm. agencies started to really take shape, and that's what happened in the future. Uh, and I think that that made a great difference for myself because they gave me an opportunity to play on an everyday basis in Kansas City. Uh, whether before with the Phillies, I was playing all over, I was playing every day, but playing one day at short stop, one in center field, and one in right field. Right. So it's a little more difficult and you have to prepare yourself differently when you're in the outfield than when you are in the infield. Yeah, you you have to really keep sharp for that, Cookie. You're right. We're speaking with uh, the great Cookie Rojas, former third base coach of the New York Mets. Now, you played alongside Freddie Patek. Now, I always liked him uh, when I was a kid be- because uh, he was only five foot four. Freddie Patek was, but he was a good ball player. Was an outstanding ball player. Yeah, great range. 
a great range in a church stop, both ways, left or right. And he had a gun of an arm. I mean, mm -hmm. he could have throw that ball through the center field wall. That's how strong he was. And he was a great, great ball player, great short stuff. We had a tremendous combination between him and I. And then on my last year, year and a half, I started talking to Frank White. If you remember, he was a shortstop. I turned him into a second baseman. Ah, uh, yeah. A second baseman lead for 17 years in a row. Outstanding young man as a ball player. That's the kind of player that you want to see as a fan on the field of baseball. Sure, Frank White, folks. If you're if you're as old as I am, you remember Frank White with the Royals. Just ev every year, a solid ball player, a good hitter, and a great fielder. As Cookie brings up, Frank White. Uh, there's a great name for you. Now, now, Cookie, um, you you were the the bench coach with the Angels. Is that right? Yeah, I was uh, the manager of the Angels. I didn't was the bench coach. I was with Toronto. Ah, okay. But, uh, Bob Martinez, I became the uh, bench coach for him in Toronto. Good. Right, exactly. Now, uh, the Marlins hired you as a third-base coach, and the, the, you were with them in their inaugural season. That must have been pretty exciting to be down there in Miami for the uh, for the inauguration of the Florida Marlins. No question about it, Bill. I think that was one of the worst, wonderful things that happened in the game of baseball. Opening in playing in the old uh, stadium, the football stadium, we had uh, 42,000 people in that ballpark when we opened the season. So it, it was just uh, great to be part of that, and uh, that just opened the doors for us in the second year, or the third year, to win the uh, world championship all the way through. So yeah, that was a, that was, was an quickest, amazing quickest, yeah. Club, you know, went all the way to win the World Series. Amazing team, folks. In their third year, they win the World Series. That that was uh, a pretty tremendous job of putting together that ball ball club. Now, you you come to the Mets, I believe, in '97, Cookie. You're, you're Bobby Valentine's third base coach. Uh, a lot of people sing the praises of Bobby that that are on my show. Uh, they really don't have anything bad to say about Bobby Valentine, but a, a great, he's, he's been with me one Sunday night. He, he is a great baseball man too. I mean, he, he's, uh, really a thinking man's manager. Absolutely, Bill. You know, it's a shame that he broke his ankle when he was with the Dodgers and couldn't continue to play on an everyday basis. But as far as baseball, he knew it. Knew it very well up and down for any angle whatsoever. Very aggressive, gave a lot of confidence to his players. He knew how to run a ball club without a doubt. It was great to have played with him and gave me that opportunity to be with him with the four years that I was there. Uh, so I, I consider him one of the best managers and I was really surprised and I told him, Bobby, why are you, why are you leaving the game? You know, stay in the game. I mean, he should be probably winning well, serious with the club that nowadays you have. Yeah. But he would, he had that in his mind all the time, I guess. And Boston didn't have the way things turned around for him in that city. But if I have to go ahead and make a ball club and I want to have somebody to run it for me, no question about it, the Bobby Valentine will be my choice. Yeah, excellent cookie. Yeah, Cookie Rojas with us tonight on the broadcast. Now, uh, Bobby V. 
as you say, went to Boston. I don't, I don't think he got a fair shake there, but that's just my opinion. Now, I agree. Yeah, but you were, uh, the Mets coach at third base in 2000, Cookie. I want to ask you about that ball club. I believe that those guys overachieved. They did not have the personnel that the Yankees had, but those guys toughed it out. They were gritty and, uh, they won ball games. And I wanted to ask you, Cookie, about uh, in the World Series, when Piazza gets plunked again by Clemens, how did you feel about that whole situation? Do you feel Roger oh, was, was throwing at him? I, I, I would say, yeah, he did it in terms of me. There's no yeah. problem about that. No, no doubt. And, and the other thing is, I would have went right after him. Yeah. You know, and trying to get him out of the ballgame. Uh, out of the ballgame would have made a lot of difference especially in the World Series, to get that kind of picture out of the, the yeah. acting uh, of the ball club. Yeah. But, you know, whatever happened in those years, one thing that I'd like to mention to you, Bill, is that we had the whole infield from third base, Roman Ventura, the shortstop Ray Odonio, who had a, a year that you couldn't believe the things that happened at shortstop the way he made it, Edgar Alfonso, John Allerud, Mike mm-hmm. Piazza, all of those players had go glove with me, especially Ordonez. Ordonez the year before made 58 errors a second at a shortstop. With me at the end of that year, he only had made five. Wow. So yeah. that is what the difference when you have a winning ball club, you have the pitching, but you got to have the defense. The defense saves a lot of, a lot of games for the starting pitchers. And I think that that it's a big, big difference when you have those guys behind you playing the defense. We did a great job in that respect. You're right, Cookie. Yeah, pitching and defense, uh, two very underrated aspects of the game. I mean, you you can hit 12 home runs in a ball game and still lose if you have nobody catching the ball. And uh, as you say, that infield, they were on the cover of Sports Illustrated, I remember. I think I still have that issue tucked away with uh, Ventura, Ordonez, Fonzie, and... Uh, all root. All root. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, just, just a tremendous infield, uh, that year. But, uh, yeah, I wanted to ask you about Clemens and Piazza. Were, were you there when, when, uh, he hit him the first time in the head? Yeah. Oh, sure gosh. was. Yeah. yeah ugly. He the helmet a little bit. He didn't do it, you know, straight and forward. But no matter any throw, he always had the, the ability to do that. I don't know why they, they allowed him to do it. Yeah. Because he used to do that. He used to throw the when players inside, way inside, and he can hit a lot of people. Uh, and in this game, there's a rule. Do not throw above the shoulders. Mm-hmm. If you do that, somebody is going to go after you no matter what. Yeah, I agree, Cookie. Definitely. Cookie Rojas spending a few moments with us tonight. Of all the, the players that you played with, Cookie, who would you say your best teammate was? My best team, many well, one of them is Dick Allen in Philadelphia. Yeah. I played with him for five, six years, and he was once, I mean, some kind of a ball player all around. He could hit, could hit for extra power, could play third base, could play the outfield, could play first base. He was a great teammate, will defend you no matter what. If we had a fight, the first one in front was Dick Allen. That's the way he was. All of his brothers are six, five, six, six. And, 
from uh, Wampum, Pennsylvania. You know, mm -hmm. they were very proud to have that son there because he really made a big difference in every place that he went to. Bill, he went he to did. the Dodgers, did great. He went to mm -hmm. the Cardinal, he did great. He's also awesome with our ball club, Philadelphia. So, actually, he deserves a lot of credit. Uh, I hope that someday he can go into the Hall of Fame. But he just passed away, so now it's, it's a matter of uh, time. And uh, right. that the directors of the Hall of Fame, you know, have a possibility of discussing his, uh, maybe in the future, getting into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I agree, Cookie. I mean, they really have to start getting it right as far as electing some people. I'm just happy that, that Gil Hodges went in because uh, I've been a fan of his since I was a little kid. But uh, you're right, Dick Allen certainly demands more consideration for Cooperstown. Now, did you ever hold one of his bats, Cookie? <laughs> oh, yeah, 42 ounces. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> That's right. That's and unheard of right, today. When, when he started that swing, he turned that bat completely to towards the, uh, the, the pitcher. Yeah, and then it goes all the way around. So that's a big arch that you have to do, and to do it with a forty-two ounce bat, oh my God, unbelievable, <laughs> unbelievable. That that is a true war club, is what that is, Cookie. <laughs> that he went to the plate with, good old Dick Allen, a, a great power hitter, one one of the uh, most prolific power hitters of, of his era. Now, I, I remember the Phillies team's cookie in Connie Mack Stadium. Uh, you, you were there, Chris Short, the, the great Chris Short, and, uh, I can't think of anybody else's name offhand, but, uh, I think Rick Wise, Rick Wise, I think, was another guy Jim on Bunning. that team. Oh, boy, yeah. Hall of Famer Jim Bunning, definitely. Yes, sir. Yep. Yes, sir. Now, what do you think of the changes in the game, Cookie, since you left? How about let's talk about replay? What do you think about that? Well, you know, I, I say that we are doing too many things now to change the game, and I like to see the game stay maybe a little longer the way it used to be. And then you can add a couple of things here and there, but let's not make those silly. Changes is just like now they're talking about all those players moving over to right field if there's a right-hander <laughs> yeah. or vice versa if there's a left-hander. What's the difference? If you handle the bat just a little bit, you can go ahead and hit the ball on the other side where there's nobody, absolutely nobody there. So no. if you bump the ball over there, it's a double. No, nobody ever seems to get that cookie. I mean, all you have to do, like uh, we Willie Keeler said it, said it the best back in the 1890s. Hit it where they ain't is what he used to say. That's true. Just hit it to, to the other side of the field. Like you said, there's a double. No question. And the other thing is, too, if you have a game which the fans love to see that is tight run by run, you know, it's 1-1, one, 2-1, one, one, whatever, and ends up in the ninth inning tie, let's say nine to nine or five to five. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, you have to put a guy on second base. No, yeah. For, for starting the year, you know, the tenth inning. I said, you mean to tell me that I, my pitchers, the best way you could probably do as much as you can to save that game, and we got to to go into extra innings, and I'm going to give him the opportunity to put him in on second base with no outs. <laughs> yeah, that that was crazy. Closer? That was absolutely, absolutely. Cr crazy, Cookie, along with the seven-inning doubleheaders. That that was ridiculous, right. too. 
Unbelievable. Well, I want to thank you, Cookie. It's been an honor and a pleasure to speak with you on the air tonight. I'd like to thank your son, Victor, for helping set this up with you. And uh, thanks for taking time out of your Sunday evening to spend it with us up here in New York. I appreciate it very much, Bill. And again, you know, I want to say hello to all the fans. And let's see if this year we can do it again. I mean, exactly. That's my team in the National League without a doubt, you know, and wish everybody a great, happy summer mm-hmm. for everyone. And, Bill, thank you for the opportunity to be with you. Enjoy it. And let's do it whenever you feel like uh, uh, you want to talk a little bit more baseball, please. I sure will, Cookie. I, I thank you again, and stay well, my friend. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. That was Cookie Rojas, ladies and gentlemen, the great Cookie Rojas. Up next on Sports Talk New York, we're going to switch gears like we usually do from time to time. And we're going to talk to the great Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, Felix Cavalieri. So stick around, folks. Listening to Sports Talk New York. Tune in every Sunday night at 8 p.m. on Long Island's WGBB. Broadcasting on 95.9 FM and 1240 AM. Or listen live online at WGBBradio.com. Stay connected to Sports Talk New York on WGBB by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WGBB Sports Talk. You're listening to Sports Talk New York on Long Island's WGBB. And now, back to the show. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are back with Sports Talk New York here on WGBB in beautiful Merrick, Long Island, New York. Uh, Brian, did you see the carnival down at the railroad station? We're going to head down there. Brian and I are going to be on the Tilt-A-Whirl. So if anybody wants to come down there and witness this, uh, what I usually do is bring a can of Campbell's Chunky Vegetable Soup and release that, uh, you know, while I'm on the ride and people think that, uh, you like that one, Brian? Yeah. People think you got a little ill on the Tilt-A-Whirl, but it always worked for me. It was a great sports weekend. Friday night I was uh, given Islander tickets by my longtime buddy Eddie Ryan for the game against the uh, the Lightning at the beautiful new UBS Arena. If you haven't been there, folks, go there. I can't wait to go to a concert in that facility. What a, what a great place for the Islanders to call home. The, uh, the sight lines are amazing. The scoreboard is unreal. It's, it's huge and the resolution is tremendous. Just, just state of the art. And the Islanders played for two periods. Unfortunately, there are three periods, fellas. You had to come out for the third. A great send off from Mr. Chara, who scored a goal in his, it looks to be his final NHL game. And at the same time that was happening, the Mets were no hitting the Philadelphia Phillies. So it was just an amazing night for the Mets. And, uh, it, really lends to the belief that something magical is back at Willett's Point. But we'll switch gears and talk about that uh, some other time. Our next guest, best known for his association with the Young Rascals during the 1960s, 
This gentleman sang vocals on six of their successful singles and played the Hammond B3 in the band. He was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as a member of the Rascals in 1997. And... Coming up, folks, I want to let you know, we're going to mention this a few times, Legends Live, Saturday, May 14th at the Patchog Theater out in Patchog. It's going to be this gentleman and Mickey Dolenz, the last surviving monkey. So it promises to be a tremendous show, and we'll give you more information on that later. It's great to welcome to the show tonight, Felix Cavalieri. Felix, good evening. Hey, Bill, how you doing, man? Doing wonderful. Even better now that you're here, Felix. Well, thank you so much. Now, I yeah. want to ask you, you are a native New Yorker from Pelham, up, up a little ways uh, past the Bronx. Who, who were your favorites musically, and who influenced your taste back when you were a kid? Well, you know, I was lucky enough to hear the very beginning of rock and roll because Alan Free brought it to New York, you know? Right. And so, uh, you know, I was a piano player. I, I was studying music, studying classical. And I heard these people like uh, Ray Charles, Fats Domino, Jerry Lee Lewis, Little Richard. And I said, wow, man, what kind of music is that? I'm going to have to learn that somehow. Someday. Yeah. Those are my first influences. Nice. Okay. Yeah. And uh, all, all immortal names that, that Felix mentions there. Now, you sang vocals on six of the singles that I mentioned. And right. your mother wanted you to take piano lessons. So you really owe your success with the B3 on uh, on your mom. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we all do, don't we? I mean, tell yeah. the truth. I mean, you know, without mom and dad, we wouldn't even be here. So, yeah, they... They wanted me to be a, a classical pianist, you know, and they saw some talent. And, uh, you know, I mean, I got a great education, and the education has carried me all the way, uh, all, all the way, the, all these years for, with music. I'm still doing music. Right. Yeah. And, and, uh, as you say, we owe it to mom, and th that, that's a great big thank that's you right. there. Now, Absolutely. Little Steven, you're friends with Little Steven, and we all know him from the TV and from being in a band called the E Street Band. Uh, some right. people may not realize it, but the Rascals were the first rock band in the world. What did Steven mean by that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I tell you, it, it means that he was a young guy growing up in Jersey and heard this, 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 this band that kind of influenced him to really want to be part of this business. Uh, you know, when I say rock band in the world, we, we had a really good band. I mean, mm -hmm. we had, uh, you know, Dino Donnelly on the drums, who was a phenomenal drummer. We had Eddie Brigatti singing and playing and writing and, and dancing and that. And then we had Gene Cornish on the guitar. And, you know, we, we had a pretty good group, man. And we, as you know, we kind of really got our, uh, our break, our big break in uh, Long Island at the Hamptons. So we've always been very, very attached to the, uh, to the Long Island people and, 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 and clubs. Nice. Okay, now I want to ask you to define for the folks that may not be t familiar and certainly the kids, you, you are recognized as the king of blue-eyed soul. Just uh, interpret <laughs> blue-eyed soul there for, for the kids and for the elder people out there. <laughs> well, you know, we, uh, we were the first uh, white act on uh, Atlantic Records, uh, the, the Red Block label. Everybody else on that label was, you know, an R&B artist. And, uh, you know, you know, I just wrote this book. I, I, I don't know if you're quoting from that. It's called The Memoir of a Rascal. 
Mm-hmm. And in the in the book, I, t- I tell the story uh, about Otis Redding. You know, uh, you know, he came into Atlantic uh, and uh, knocked on the door and looked in, and he said, "My God, they are white guys." <laughs> yeah. See, they, they, nobody knew because you know we didn't have that much uh, exposure like you know now with MTV and all the videos. We had Ed Sullivan and Hollow Blue and things like that. Right. So they really didn't know whether we were a white actor or a black actor, you know. So I guess that's how the King of the Blue-Eyed Soul came about. There you go, folks. All right. Straight from, as they say, the horse's mouth. Felix Cavalieri with us on, on the program tonight, spending a couple of minutes. Now, you're an SU guy. Yes. Yeah, so you know, yes, what, you know, you know what snow is. <laughs> yep. Now you you I found this fascinating, Felix. That you were pre med. I was pre med, and I was lucky to be up in Syracuse at that time. Syracuse was a football uh, monster. Not, prior to them becoming a basketball, Jim Brown had just graduated a year or two before me. Mm-hmm. They were national champs, but I was able to get to know and play for Ernie Davis, John Mackey, all these these people that were like you know. Uh, almost legendary uh, NFL guy. Unfortunately, Ernie Davis didn't didn't last. He got sick. But mm-hmm. uh, I, I really had a, a phenomenal education up there, and and and, and I made lifelong friends uh, because of the music. You know, that's where I kind of started branching off into uh, into music. Yeah, a great school, great for broadcasting. If if I had the money, I would have gone there. I went to Oswego State, which is a little further up the uh-huh. road. But yeah, uh right, right up the road, absolutely. Yeah, and uh we had our own good time up there, but which I, I will go into in another time and place, folks. Um There you go. Yeah, that, that, that'll, that'll oh, yeah, it was fun, you know, those years were a little safer than it is now, you know. It is. You, know, the, you don't have to worry about dying from a pill, you know. No. Boy. Yeah. It it's uh it's really a shame, but, but we'll talk about that in a time. Careful. Gotta really be careful. Right. Now you started with Joey D and and the Starlighters. Uh right. if people may not know remember jo- Joey D, the Peppermint Twist was their big hit. Correct. Yeah. And uh I want you to tell us uh I'm not sure where it was, but as you say, you you first caught the attention of Sid Bernstein. Uh, at a club called Barge. Now, where exactly was that, if you remember, Felix? So the Hamptons. Yeah, but what? Called the Barge. <laughs> yeah. I, think, I, th- I think it was Southampton, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, yeah. yeah. Because I think it was Southampton. Uh, must be uh, long gone. It's not there anymore. Yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. But it was it was on the bay, right? Uh, you know, uh, it was fantastic, you know, uh, and... and uh, you know, I mean, what can I say about the summer? We were able to spend a summer being paid to stay in the Hamptons. So, Not you know, bad. it was, it was yeah. good to begin with, you know. And, right. Uh, second of all, that's, that's, that's where we were discovered. Yeah. It was a wonderful place. Outstanding. You know, it was really, uh, you know, people like Betty Davis used to come in on the weekends and, you know, all these, all these, uh, you know, very, very wealthy people, of course, in show business. And that's why I knew, uh, once, once we were able to go there for the summer, uh, somebody was going to see us, and that's what happened. Right. You're in the right place at the right time, Felix. That's exactly Correct. true. Correct. Now, who gave the band the name The Rascals? Well, that's another story that, uh, you know... You want to save it for the book, the or...? 
Well, you know, that's the reason, one of the reasons that I wrote this thing is because, you know, when, when we did that uh, Broadway show for Little Steven, uh, the uh, Once Upon a Dream, we did press conferences. And, Bill, I'm telling you, when they, when they asked the four of us the same question you just asked, everybody had a different answer. <laughs> <laughs> everybody had a different answer. So I said to myself, I said, you know, i got to make sure that Custer really won or lost that battle. I'm not sure. I wasn't there. <laughs> yeah. But I was there when this stuff was happening. So I decided to write this thing and put my recollection of how. I, I give credit for that name to Soupy Sales. Okay. Sales, uh, it's a long story. It's in the book. I'll shorten it just by saying we were huge fans, and we wanted to see him, and uh, we wanted to back him up because uh, we were unknown at the time, and you know, he had a big hit record. And uh, he gave us a name. He says, you know what, I like to call you. They couldn't put on the marquee, you know. So <laughs> how about if we try this one, you know. He yeah. was such a great man. He was a great man. A very funny guy. Then there's something for you great kids guy. to Google. Go go out on YouTube and Google Soupy Sales, and you'll you'll see a, a tremendous entertainer. I remember watching him when I was a kid, and uh, I remember running into him on the street on Third Avenue one day. Oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah. And oh, yeah. What, what a great guy. Look, great guy. Look for we him, folks. Him. I mean, like I say, it might be a little silly for some people out there now, but you know what? He was funny. Exactly, yeah. Come on, lighten up, Francis, like they said in Stripes, right? Yep, yep. Watch Soupy. Now, yep. you toured Hamburg, yep. and you, you used to play with the Beatles. Well, with Joey, you know, as I say, uh, when when they, they, they went to Europe, they, they came to the Catskill Mountains where I was working. You know, I was working there for a summer. Right. Contemplating, you know, going back to school, of course, in September. And, uh, their organ player, uh, had just recently gotten married and, and, and he quit. They remembered me and called me. I flew over to Germany and the next thing I know, there's this group opening up for Joey that we had never heard of. The world was soon to hear of them. They were called the Beatles. Right. So that's how that all happened. And very interesting. Yeah. And uh, it was really interesting. And that kind of made up my mind, you know, to be in this business because, you know, it looked like they were having a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. And in, in the beginning, they did. Yeah. It, it's a shame yep. it all yep. soured. But uh, you, you're right, Felix. Well, it's, it's sours. It's sours for everybody. I, I don't care what business you're in. I think that's just the way of life. Yeah. Know? There's a honeymoon uh, period. But, uh, and then that's the end. I know what you mean, Felix. Felix Cavalieri. You know, but it's fun while it lasts, that's for sure. We had yeah. a ball, and I'm sure they had a ball, and, you know, we're still here, thank God. Yes. Now, you uh, mentioned in an interview, Felix, where the great Felix Cavalieri is with us tonight of the Rascals, Rock and Roll Hall of Famer. You said the tragedy of the band is that you lost your dream. A very special group. We blew it. We, as we were just talking about, we, you never regained a tenth of that. And tell us about the dream that the rascals said was was lost. What else could you accomplish? Well, longevity is is. is there's nothing wrong with longevity, you know. Ask um, Mick Jagger. You know, it, it's it's kind of like you know, like uh, you got some of those good old uh, Yankee teams or. The Islanders, you know? Yeah. I mean, the Islanders, they were winning every year, every year, every single year. What happened? Well, I guess 
people got traded. Edmonton you know, happened. Yeah. Gretzky happened. You know? but yeah. I tra- and Gretzky happened. Right. So, you know, it was, it was nice while it lasted, though, wasn't it? Oh, baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, we used to go to those things, and uh, you know it's like a dynasty. And you know who wants to give up? Uh, you know, winning the title. Nobody, especially in that league. Oh my God! You know we've got a team down here in Tennessee now. You know we got the Predators. Right. Know? Yeah. And uh, we made we made one play a playoff. I mean we made one uh, Stanley Cup playoff, but uh, we got beaten. And uh, you know you know how hard it is to do that. Well, that's how I felt. You know we had a winning team, and uh, yeah, I just hated to see it go because. You know, even even though, like, you know, you can't keep on top of the charts forever, but you keep the family together. You know, we had a good family, I thought. Unfortunately, you know, it it, it divorced. Right. Very good analogy you made there, Felix, definitely. And uh, Hello? Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Uh-oh. Are you I'm there? I lose you. <laughs> now, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, yeah, Felix. Can you hear me? Felix. Excuse me, Bill. Yeah, you there? Excuse me, Bill. Yeah. I'm losing you here. Can I'm you hear me? You Can you hear me now? I. Yeah, it was fading out there for a minute. I don't know. You okay? Yeah. You good? But you thought I was on a tilt world, right? Is that what you thought? I, 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 <laughs> I thought it was either you or me. I don't know. It's Sunday, <laughs> Sunday night. You know, we don't know. Right. Now, now, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Felix, was that the pinnacle for you, or is there another event that really capped everything off professionally for you? Professionally, no, that was not the pinnacle, but it was fun. It was a, it was a nice thing to put in your cap. No, when we, when we made the Songwriters Hall of Fame, that, that, that was really big for me. You know, that, that Songwriters Hall of Fame is not as well known. But the, uh, the, the elite group that's in that Hall of Fame, uh, is something that I'm really, 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 really proud to be part of. You know, it's not televised and it doesn't have a museum or a theater. It's just a quiet thing that is amongst the industry that means an awful lot to those of us who grew up listening to Cole Porter and uh, George Gershwin who are all in the Songwriters Hall of Fame. And that's, that's, that's the one that really hit me. That 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 is amazing. I'm gonna have to Google that when I get home, uh, Felix. Yep. Yeah, because as you say, and it's not sexy like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but uh, it it gives you a sense that your accomplishment has been recognized uh, amongst the uh, the greatest of all time. You know, I mean that 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 is an honor. That you know, like I say, it's not it's not very well known. But if you look at the people who are in that in that group, uh, it's pretty serious. Yeah, I I agree. I'm going to have to look at that now. Now, Felix, uh, did you prefer? Did you like playing live for people? I still do. Yeah, absolutely. Nothing like it. Nothing like it. it must... uh, as a matter of fact, most of the people who come, I, I know most of the people who are the older older guys. Like you know, uh, for example, we just worked with the zombies. You know, we we worked with those those people. Many, uh, even Ringo. When I was touring with Ringo, they love to play. Uh, they love to be on stage. I mean, like uh, Ringo certainly doesn't need to go on the road for financial reasons. No, <laughs> he yeah. loves it. And 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 like I say, you know, I I think most of the. Uh, most of the old timers, and, and I'm really sure that a lot of the young, younger people feel exactly the same. We love it. I had, uh, two weeks ago, I had 
Jeff Skunk Baxter on the program. And oh, he, yeah. Yeah, he's the same way. He's going out on the road. He's got an album. Yeah. He's uh, He cut yeah. a new single of the uh, re-release of My Old School, the Steely Dan tune. And uh, right. as you say, he's still doing it. Yeah, you know, like I say, the joke that goes around now is we don't get paid to play. We get paid to travel to get there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to That's talk about now. I want to talk about the book as, or, or else uh, right. I'll get killed. The memoir is Memoir of a Rascal. Now, why write right. that now? Because you're still breathing or... Etc. Well, that's a good reason, right there. You yeah. Know, while you're breathing, it's good. To, it's good to write, you know. But I told you because everybody had a different idea of what happened, you know. Yeah. Everybody had a different story. I said, wait a second, wait, 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 wait. At least I could say what I saw and what I heard. And then I realized, you know, I've had a lot of accomplishment besides those five years with the Rascals. You know, I've got a great. I got grandkids. I got, you know. I got, I got kids, I got, you know, awards, you know, I got health. I, I studied for many years with a guru, you know. I've worked in front of symphonies, I've worked with Billy Joel, I've worked, except that's all in the book. The uh, the time you spent with the All-Star Band, though, uh, the, the lineup right. that they had when you were there was just an unbelievable right. lineup. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and some of them are gone, as you well know. Mm -hmm. Billy, Billy Preston's not here anymore, John Entwistle is not here anymore. And I've made some lifelong friends out of that in the Mark Farner, you know, from from right. Grand Funk. I've had him uh, on the program. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's a good yeah, man. Yeah, you know, Mark. like I say, you know, it, it was so much fun working with. You know, you, you close your eyes, you look over to your left, and there's a beetle over there on the drums. You know, it's pretty pretty. <laughs> yeah. much, uh, right. um, it, am I okay? Yeah, that's a beetle. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's yeah. a humbling story, a situation. I know. It's really feels. interesting. Yeah, it is. He's a good good man too. He really is. Felix Cavalieri of the Rascals and uh, his memoir we're speaking of now. Uh, Saturday, when does it come out? Do you have a release date for it, Felix? Oh, we're out already. Oh, all right. FelixCavalieriMusic.com, Felix or you can also go to Amazon. You know, And if you come to Patchogue on the 14th of May, I'm going to have some copies there for everybody that wants to, wants to read it immediately. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we're trying to, uh, you know, get this, we're trying to get this tour going with Mickey. You know, Mickey's an old friend, uh, and, and, and hopefully people will feel like this is a, a happy, fun event, you know? Yes, exactly. And, uh, as we said, I apologize for my voice tonight, folks. I was at the Islander game, uh, two nights ago. But, um, you see? Yeah, I'm still going. Still doing it. God bless. Yeah. <laughs> so you follow, you follow all the sports films. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was going to ask you about sports because this, this is a sports show. But once in a while, I have a mute musician or an actor on. And uh, do you do you follow sports, Felix? I I got hooked a long time ago. It's, if they bounce it, hit it, or throw it, kick it, I'm there. Yeah, I love it. I just enjoy. I I don't look. I'm not a better. Me neither. I enjoy every yeah. game I see. I, I I enjoy like the NBA. Oh my god. I mean, how, how, how good athlete can you be, for God's sake? Yeah. This is amazing. I'm just in awe, you know, of, of the talent that's out there. You know, even the draft, they got me roped into watching the NFL draft. I can't believe I'm watching that, you know. Yeah. You know, I couldn't believe all the people it. there, all the people standing there watching it in Vegas, right? It's 
pounds and turn that into a paid event or an event that people actually, you know, unbelievable. I, we got the Titans here. You know, we came pretty close last year. You yeah. know, and as I say, we got the Predators here. And, uh, you know, when I first came here to Nashville, there were no pro teams. There were nothing here. It was just like uh, college football. Volunteers, you know? yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and, of course, I got into the University of Alabama, now the University of Georgia. University of Tennessee kind of slipped a little bit. But I, I keep... I don't know, I just enjoy it. I yeah, enjoy the, the SEC is a tremendous conference. Uh, I mean, if you're going to watch football, watch the SEC, yep. and uh, it, it really is great. But, uh, it's before, pretty interesting, I'll tell you, that they dominate yeah, like that. You know you're right. Yeah, and now now with this, what do you call this, where they pay the players? I forget the name for that. Uh, yeah. This, this is this is going to be pretty crazy now, where these kids be making money before they're even out of college. <laughs> yeah. Well, they do that anyway. I, I agree just, with it 100%. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, I, I just don't know what the heck's going to happen now, you know? Now, as we said, folks, Legends Live. It's Saturday night. Yes. May 14th, out at the Patchogue Theater on Main Street in Patchogue. Uh, right. Felix will be there. Mickey Dolans will be there. And, uh, what kind of, what kind of, uh, set list can they look forward to? Felix? Well, you know, we've got a lot of hits between us. Rascals yeah, some good, there. good material. And it's all, it's, you know what? It's all happy, uplifting stuff, you know? So I think that's what, with this COVID and all this stuff we've been through, I think people really want to smile. I know that the, the last few shows that we have done, the audience response has been, has been magnificent. You know, if, if you look back in time when the Spanish flu was around in the 1916 and 1917, right after that was what they called the Roaring Twenties, right? Yeah. So we're, look, we're looking forward to the, the Roaring Twenties a hundred years later. That'll be a tremendous show, folks. And also the book, yeah. Memoir of a Rascal by Felix Cavalieri. Um, it's out, it came out in March. So it's out, as Felix says. Check that out. Yep. And the cover photo for folks, uh, interested, uh, was taken by Linda McCartney. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Lin- Linda was a photographer, uh, uh, actually before she met Paul and, uh, has many uh, beautiful photography books out. You know the, the 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 kind you put on your coffee table, the big yeah. big ones. And uh, she had a lot of us in those days in the book. And their, their estate was kind enough to allow me to use it. I'm really grateful for that because first of all, I loved loved her very much. She was a great great woman. Mm-hmm. And number two, that was a great picture, man. It's really great. Yeah. I agree. And uh again folks, memory memoir of a rascal. Check that out. And May fourteenth at the Patchogue Theater in uh where else? It's in Patchogue. What are you giving me a hard coming time up, here? Coming up, coming up, coming <laughs> right. up to the island. Check that out, yeah. folks. These these wonderful people will be performing for you there, as we said. What a catalog of hits. And uh Felix, I'd like to thank you for taking time out of your Sunday night to hang out with us here on the island, and uh, I truly appreciate it. Well, thank you, Bob. I appreciate you taking the time, and I hope your throat gets better. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're going to go to another Felix. game. Yeah, got to hear you. I'm not in. Right. I'm not in game shape. That's that's what it is. So. Yeah, well, come back. Come back fast. All I got to do is win, and you're fine. Yeah, right? it'll be worth it. Yep, you got it, Felix. Absolutely. You, All right, my friend. You Thank take you so care. Much for your time. All Trust the best. Me, man.
you. That's Felix Cavalieri, folks. Uh, I'd like to thank him along with my other guest. And uh, I can't think who, who, it, who it was. I'm really, I'm really starting to lose it, folks. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Brian <laughs> reminds me. Cookie Rojas. All right. So uh, thank you to Cookie Rojas and Felix Cavalieri from the Rascals. My engineer and brain, Brian, Brian Graves, he's handing me notes here. So uh, it's the Cliff Notes, folks. I'm cheating here. So um, join us next on the 15th of May. Uh, we have 86 Mets catcher. Uh, he's in failing health. We're going to try to look for a kidney donor for Ed Hearn. And uh, the author of the baseball Talmud, Howard Megdahl, will be with us. So all our friends of the Jewish persuasion, be sure to check, check in with us then. But till then, be safe and be well. This is Bill Donahue, folks, and I'm wishing you a good evening. The views expressed in the previous program did not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB. This is WGBB AM 1240 and W240 DF FM 95.9 Freeport, New York.